Welcome to Brightline Living, the official podcast of Brightline Eating, where we focus on living a life free from food obsession and filled with peace and unstoppability. Each week, Dr. Susan Pierce Thompson, New York Times bestselling author and founder of Brightline Eating, will cover topics ranging from food addiction to fascinating science and how to live a bright life. Now here's Susan with the audio version of this week's blog. Hey there, it's Susan Pierce Thompson and welcome to the weekly vlog. So the Brightline Eating team, like the employees of Brightline Eating, uh, hold a book club study uh, periodically. I think we're supposed to do it once a month, but... Uh, ish. (laughs) And our current book is a book called The Distracted Mind. Now I need to be clear. I'm not really recommending you go get this book and read it. Uh, I mean, feel free. It's amazing, but it is a slog. Like it's, it's, it's on cognitive functioning and it's hard for me. (laughs) Like I'm re and you know, I don't know after like, you know, undergrad and cognitive science, you know the drill, right? And then taught this. Yeah, it's hard. Like I'm reading my poor assistant, Claire, who's sitting over there. She's restarted the book four times now so far. Um, But it's also amazing. And I wanted to share in this week's vlog an insight that I gleaned um, from this book that blew my mind. And it really relates to your Bright Line Eating journey and really to what differentiates Bright Line Eating, what's so different about fundamentally what we focus on around here and what sets Bright Line Eating apart. And what's really interesting is this is not something that they were emphasizing in the book per se. It was kind of a couple of throwaway sentences in the middle of a paragraph that was about something else on, you know, page six or something. But I read this and I was wait, I, I was like, wait, what? And I read it again and I read it again and it just, it blew my mind. So here's, here's what they said in essence. They were talking about cognitive functioning. They were talking about the development of the brain, the evolution of the brain, and what sets the human brain apart from the brains of, of other animals and primates. And, um, and, you know, we've all heard that human brains have this big cortex, right? And especially this big prefrontal cortex and um, these executive functions that are housed in the prefrontal cortex set human cognition aside from and differentiate it from the cognition of other animals, right? Other animals have um, similar functioning and other structures, right? Like uh, lower, lower structures, the hindbrain, the brainstem, that sort of thing, right? Their hearts beat and their, you know, their lungs breathe air and on and on. But what we do in the prefrontal cortex sets us apart. So that, that wasn't surprising. But what they distinguished was executive functions in the prefrontal cortex, which they said what we do is beyond the beyond the beyond beyond what other animals do. And this is stuff like planning, visioning the future, goal setting, deciding, evaluating alternatives, like architectural design, like thinking up a world that could be different than this world in the future and deciding to go for it. Like human beings do that. We do it well. And uh, our executive functioning, our planning, goal setting is just orders of magnitude different than, say, 
our closest relatives, other primates, right? And then in this one little sentence, they said, um, and in terms of cognitive control, things like attention, working memory, and goal management in the moment, we perform no better than other primates. No difference. Not even really that different than some dogs and other types of animals, like squirrel, what? Wait, why am I standing in front of the refrigerator? What was I supposed to do here? There was something. What was it? There was something. I had what on my to-do list today? Have I done any of those? Did I do the thing? Oh, I'm, let me pull that thing forward from the to-do list from before. Maybe I'll, okay, here's the to-do list. Oh, shoot, we didn't do the things on the to-do list. What, honey, what were you talking about? What was that thing you were saying? You were saying the thing. Do you remember that thing? You don't remember the thing either. Okay, well, it'll come back if it's important. Like, actually executing on what we intend, what we planned out with our lofty visions is actually really, really hard for us. And I, I read that, and first of all, it was just such a, such a stark contrast. And then I was thinking about bright line eating, right? And about all the times, I mean, really starting from the age of 10, that I would take a sheet of paper and write my goal weight at the top and write the name of the plan that I was going to do and then measure my weight and my waist, and for good measure, I don't know why I thought this was important, my chest and my hips and my arms and my thighs and my neck, and I would write down all these measurements. And then I'd be like, okay, by this date, I'm gonna weigh this amount. And I had these plans, I had these goals. I had decided to take action. And then, because my brain doesn't really support me in doing this well, when I set out to execute on a daily basis, I don't know what really happened, right? Like fast forward some number of weeks, was I really doing that anymore? Whatever that plan was, where was the fall off? It was somewhere in that cognitive control piece, that goal management piece, that attention working memory, who knows, somewhere in the sieve that is my brain, I was not able to follow through on my goals, right? Maybe you can relate. Anyway, in Bright Line Eating, there are things that we do to support people who are on a path to change their relationship with food that support the parts of the brain that have a hard time with cognitive control. And really, even the name of our program, Bright Line Eating, starts to tell that story, right? Bright lines, rules, clear, unambiguous boundaries that you just don't cross. You have a rule that you don't do this or that with your food. Why is that helpful? Well, the prefrontal cortex goes back through these connections to other structures in the brain. And one of the ways that it modulates behavior in other parts of the brain is with rules. When you become someone who doesn't eat sugar, that is a rule that the prefrontal cortex can very clearly communicate to other structures in the brain We don't eat that. And then what happens over time is at lower levels of the brain, that that behavior of eating sugar just stops being a suggestion that gets put forward for evaluation by the prefrontal cortex. It's off the table. It's just off the table. Rules are actually incredible support structures to support cognitive control, one of our weakest areas of cognition.
Um, we also talk a lot about automaticity around here. We talk about making the behaviors of a bright day automatic, right? There's a big difference between, say, writing down your food at any time during the day for the next day and writing down your food at a specific time every day, like after dinner, after maybe you've cleaned up the kitchen, right before you officially shut down the kitchen, getting out your book and writing down your food for the next day. When you do something the same way every day, triggered by the same cues, it starts to become automatic. That's how many of us, I know not all of us, but many of us execute teeth brushing faithfully twice a day, morning and night. I brush my teeth in the morning in the shower. Um, I know that that's not typical, but it's it's when I do it, and it's the first thing I do in the shower. It's absolutely in an automated sequence. I don't know if you're similar that when you get in the shower, you do the same actions in the same order, right? Like you could kind of go through your shower on autopilot. A lot of those uh, automated routines, they save us from having to really be online to uh, execute goal management, right? We don't, so basically if our attention is failing, our working memory is failing, it doesn't really matter because it's, it's uh, our, our limbs and muscles are already engaged in doing it. It's just how we do a shower. So anyway, there's a lot that we do around here that supports people in the fundamentals of changing the way they eat and not because our food plan is so much better than other people's food plan or because, you know, other plans like keto or paleo aren't saying, you know, don't eat a, eat a bunch of processed, you know, desserts in, in packaged wrappings because they're saying don't eat that stuff too, right? But there are differences in the way bright line eating is structured that support us in our ridiculously, hopelessly, pathetically flimsy attempts at executing on these very special, important, lofty goals that we have set up and designed for ourselves in our deepest, truest, highest selves, right? And that turns out to be really important. We need some support on a daily basis to actually bring to fruition the things that we would like to achieve in this world. And Brightline Eating helps us do that. So that's the weekly vlog. I'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to Brightline Living. Please post a review and subscribe to our channel. Interested in learning more about Brightline Eating? Visit ble.life slash podcast to find out more. ble.life slash podcast. Have a bright day.